will say is this. If you have the Vegas Golden Knights with six out of a possible ten points through Murderer's Row, through three of five games in this homestand, you deserve all the snickerdoodles in the world because there is absolutely no way nobody thought this was possible. But here we are, three straight wins for the Vegas Golden Knights, and they are rolling at the perfect time. And on that note, I do welcome you all, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Monday, February 17th, and this is your post-game podcast to break down the Golden Knights' 3-2 victory over the Washington Capitals on Monday night. Hello, friends, channeling my inner Jim Nance. I am your host, Danny Webster, and I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode. Again, a little bit later than we normally intended to, but early games call for early podcasts or late podcasts, I guess would be the way to put it. Uh, But we will be discussing a little bit of a lot today, if that makes any sense. Today, we will be discussing the Golden Knights getting their third straight victory tonight over the Caps. We will also be touching on their opponent on Thursday, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are just ridiculously on fire, and a little bit of a shakeup in the Pacific Division that we will need to touch on, primarily the team that is now in third place in the division. I'm talking about the Vancouver Canucks. All of that and more in just a little bit. But first of all, the usual housekeeping items that we have to get out of the way before we begin today's episode. If this is the first time you are stumbling upon this podcast, I warmly welcome you with open arms or a good handshake, whatever you prefer. Uh, We are a daily podcast talking about the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Locked On Podcast Network, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you consume your podcasting. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you like sending emails, because emails are fun too, you can do so to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. And I do appreciate you stopping by today. So three up, three down. In, in pr- the, I don't even know really where to begin on this because part of me wants to just dive into this game and tell you what I think is working for this team as opposed to what isn't. Okay, there's part of me that wants to do that. Part of me just wants to stick on the fact that now three games into Murderer's Row, the Vegas Golden Knights have accumulated six of a possible 10 points with two games to go. So there is still a puncher's chance that the Golden Knights can finish out this homestand with 10 out of 10. It is a gargantuan possibility. I don't want to jump the gun because the opponent coming to town on Thursday is ridiculously good right now, and it is absurd to see what they're doing right now. But we have seen this team now for three games after a long, long time on the road, watching this team go from Gerard Gallant to Pete DeBoer and have to implement new systems and new strategies in a very crucial time. A very crucial time, I might add, where the Golden Knights were still in the hunt for a playoff spot and in a crucial time where if one false move goes wrong, it is entirely on the front office. And we've been talking about this for a little bit for a little bit now, and the front office isn't even fully out of the woods just yet because there's still 
uh, if I can do the math here, 31-61, there are 21 games left. No one's out of the woods yet. But the Vegas Golden Knights have now played three games in this five-game homestand and have found a way to win in each of them in a different and unique way. The first one against the Blues required a comeback from two goals down to eventually tie it and eventually win the game in overtime. The second game against the New York Islanders, completely different game. A one nothing defensive battle in which Marc-Andre Fleury only saw 19 shots, but the Golden Knights put up 42 and they ran into a hot goaltender in Varlamov and yet still found a way to win such a defensive battle. Game three, 2018 Stanley Cup final rematch. The Golden Knights typically in the regular season have had Good success against the Capitals. They have never lost now in three games at home against Washington. And for about 50 50 minutes in this game, the Golden Knights punched the Capitals in the mouth. On a night where it was highly expected for Alex Ovechkin to return to the barn where he hoisted the Stanley Cup. Two goals away from 700 in the NHL. He hadn't done it in four games, but you figure if there's one venue that he could get it done, it was going to be T-Mobile Arena. How do the Golden Knights respond? The Golden Knights respond, one, by holding the Capitals' power play to an 0-for-2 stint, which was tremendous. I think they only had two shots on two power plays, or two or three power plays, one of the two. Actually, no, they did score the power play goal, Oshie's second goal, so ignore what I just said there. Um, But the Golden Knights, for the most part, did a fantastic job on the PK. Secondly, they held Ovechkin to four total shots in 21 plus minutes. So for all for all the talk of how hockey is not a one man sport, when you have a guy that is capable of scoring at any point at any time and you have a guy who is as dangerous as they come the minute when he gets to that left circle, he makes things happen. And for the Golden Knights to hold him to four shots total in 21 minutes was a it was a tremendous defensive effort to neutralize Ovechkin. His most dangerous attempt, I think, was probably on the power play. He got a shot on in the third period. It was a one timer from the high slot, and Fleury got the got the pad save with his left pad. Other than that, Ovechkin was pretty much quiet for the rest of the night. It was, if not for T.J. Oshie scoring twice in the third period, the Golden Knights would have ran away with this game. And really, the goals that Oshie scored, the, the first one was just a hell of a shot from the right circle. The second one was a one-timer that you know Flurry will have a tough time stopping any chance he gets. But the Golden Knights did a really a miraculous job holding the Capitals to just those two goals in the third period. In the first period, it looked like it was going to be a long night for Vegas the way that uh, Washington was controlling the forecheck. Vegas did jump out to a one nothing lead, and then Washington just started getting on the forecheck. They started trying to wear down Vegas, and there was a golden opportunity with about three minutes left in the first period where Oshie is falling down below the right circle, and he has a wide-open net. Flurry is kind of getting kind of a little bit slow to get back to the net, and he can't cover this up in time. If Oshie puts it right on the money, it's 1-1, and we might be talking about a whole different game. Oshie misses the net. 20 seconds later, Marshall finds Riley Smith in front for a big goal to put him up 2-0, and then Max Pacioretty with the insurance goal to put him up 3 
uh, late in the second period. Other than that, I mean, no complaints. The Golden Knights are playing very good hockey right now. They are playing, I don't want to say they're playing the best hockey of the season, but right now, given the circumstances, still trying to learn a new system, they're playing great defensively. They're getting pucks out of their zone at a quicker rate. They are jumping on the puck in the neutral zone. They are using their speed. They are playing a heavy game that can be very intimidating for most other teams. They are playing a complete game right now. And that is exactly what you need with 21 games to go. And as a result of that, the Golden Knights are now tied with the Edmonton Oilers for first place in the Pacific Division. If you had that right now on President's Day, given where this team was about a month ago, I would try and take your money. Because the way that the Oilers were hanging around, even without you know McDavid, without Cassian, the way that the Canucks were somehow staying afloat without Besser, and you know now they've made a move uh, to get Tyler Toffoli. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But considering all those moves, considering the fact that Arizona's been slumping, considering the fact that Calgary has kind of been up and down, they haven't been as consistent as I think a lot of experts thought they would be. To see where Vegas is right now, given all of that, tied for first. I know Edmonton is like two games in hand, so pardon me if I you know, don't acknowledge that. But to be tied with the Oilers in points at this point in the season is really quite remarkable. And it just makes that uh, February 26th game next week against the Oilers all that more important. Uh, Cassian will not be in there because he's serving his suspension. Not sure about Connor McDavid. That is still, from what I had heard, he's rejoining the Oilers in a couple days. So he might make his return for the game against Vegas. Uh, As soon as we find any more information on that, we will obviously pass it along. But all I can say is that this is a good win. This is a very good win for the Golden Knights. They have completely turned it around defensively in the last two games from Thursday when I thought it was the worst defensive performance that the Golden Knights have ever put on in that arena. They have come back to shut out the Islanders and then come back to shut out the Capitals for about 48 minutes. And, you know, again, a good shot from Oshie and then a power play goal. You'll take that any day of the week. Um, but to allow only two goals to neutralize Ovechkin and to come out with another two points, I think that is probably one of the better character wins for the Golden Knights this year. Like they've had statement wins, you know, games against the Blues, both wins against the Blues at home this year, kind of been statement wins. There hasn't really been a character win where you can look at a team and you go, that is the win that you can look back on it and say, I feel good about this team. And, and, and to me, I don't want to say that this is the win that's going to propel the Golden Knights for the rest of the year. I still need a couple more games, and I think Thursday's game is going to be the real telling point against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That game, if you can even get a point against Tampa, I think that is a huge win. But if you can knock off that team and break that winning streak, then I'm a believer especially with two games to go before the deadline, then I'm a huge believer at that point. So let's go ahead and move on from the Capitals. Let's look ahead to Thursday's game now against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I just caught the ending of their game against the Colorado Avalanche, 
And my God, that team is ridiculously on fire right now. Like I, I, I thought that they were really good a couple of weeks ago when Vegas came to town and Vegas, And again, that was a game where Vegas could have won it. If it weren't for a couple of mistakes here and there, especially defensively, Vegas could have won that game. They were well on pace to go into Tampa and win that game. Now, since that game, Tampa has continued to rack up wins. They've been racking up wins at a rapid pace. And as a result of that, here come the Lightning. Now only one point behind the Boston Bruins for the not only the Atlantic Division, but for the top seed in the Eastern Conference and really the top seed in the league. So all of a sudden, the Lightning, who we were writing off dead because they were off to like a 500 start earlier in the season, I got to think they're like, I I don't even know the exact number, but they've got to be like 21 and like one in their last 22 or something. At least it feels like that. The Lightning went into Colorado, won four to three in overtime and got a huge two points in that affair. And you know, you look at the standings now, it's between Tampa and Boston. God help. You know what? I'm just going to say it now. I need the Bruins to win the Atlantic, or at least I need the Maple Leafs to fall off because God help me if we get another Boston-Toronto first-round series. We're, we're on pace for that, guys. It, it's going to happen. Like, un- unless Florida can kind of figure out what the hell they've been doing, we're on pace for Boston-Toronto again, and I'm not a fan. I am not a fan. But, yeah, here comes the Lightning. 11 straight wins into T-Mobile Arena. And this is going to be the game where this is this is the measuring stick. This is the measuring stick for Vegas at this current point. Because you've gotten three wins. All three wins so far to this point have come in different ways. But the most important thing that you need to remember is that you've gotten three wins. I didn't even think this team could get four points on this homestand. They've gotten six with at least a very good chance that they could get eight. And I'm not even talking about the Tampa game. I'm talking about the Florida game on Saturday. That game, at least, they have a good chance to at least rack up eight of ten. But it changes the whole complexion, the whole mood of this team If you can take down this Tampa Bay Lightning team, which you have had extremely good success against in your tenure. Keep in mind, this team has only won twice. Tampa has only beaten Vegas twice. And technically, if you take out that empty net goal in the game a couple weeks ago, Vegas has only lost by one goal in each of those losses. The other times, Vegas had the thrilling win against uh, Tampa back in year one. They went into Tampa about a, about a month later from that game where Theodore scored the winning goal, and they took it to them. And then, last year, in Tampa, came back to win it. I believe it was in a shootout, and to rebound after losing only 3-2 to two in Vegas, and I believe that was still in the midst of Nate Schmidt's suspension. So you're already without your top defenseman, and you only lost three to two. Then you come in this year. Technically, you lost three to two because I don't count that empty net goal. They played well enough to win that game. Vegas played well enough to beat Tampa that night. So now here comes Tampa again into into Vegas. Tampa comes into Vegas, riding an 11 game winning streak. They are the talk of the town right now. They are the talk of the league. And meanwhile, you look at the Golden Knights, 
and they are tied with the Oilers for first place in the Pacific Division. And because the Blues have slipped up, and because the Avalanche now have been derailed by injuries, and they have not been playing well as of late, and they lost, especially to the Kings the other night, the top spot in the Western Conference is still open for business. And there is a legitimate possibility that if the Golden Knights can continue to rack up some wins, they could very well possibly beef in first place in the Western Conference by the time the season is over. The Blues have not looked great. The Avalanche are kind of slipping. The Stars have been surging a little bit lately. They've been playing well. Vancouver is dealing with injuries, but now they've added to Foley. The Oilers are dealing with injuries at a worse time. The Coyotes aren't playing where they used to where they should be. The Flames are still in the roller coaster of emotions. There is a chance that the Golden Knights could make a push for the top seed in the Western Conference if they continue to rack up wins. But I'm not even looking at that right now. I'm looking to see where this team is at playing against the elite teams in the league. And if Vegas wants to be considered an elite team in the Western Conference going into the playoffs this year, they've got to win games like this. It can't be a moral victory. They've won three in a row. They are 6-2-1 and one in their last nine games. They have been playing spectacular hockey in both facets, offense Defense has been a little questionable, but they've been picking it up the last couple of games. Overall, in these last nine games, they've been very solid defensively. If Vegas can get this win against Tampa, I don't even want to begin to think what the narrative would be. Because I think I would probably lose my mind thinking that this team is officially back. If this team can beat Tampa, given the current state of Tampa right now, they go in and they beat Kucherov, they beat Stamkos, they beat Vasilevsky. By the way, Vasilevsky did not play tonight. McElhaney got the start and he won. So Vasilevsky is taking, I believe it is his point streak is at 21 games. So you're getting the hottest goaltender in the league, the reigning Vezina Trophy winner. You're getting Kucherov, you're getting Stamkos. They're playing at the best time coming into your barn. And that is the game that is going to tell me where Vegas is at. The Florida game will also have its own kind of uh, kind of bullet point as to where I think this team is. But I think that if you're Vegas, it doesn't matter if you win it in overtime, it doesn't matter if you win it in regulation, it doesn't even matter if you win it in a shootout. You get the two points against Tampa, that is going to be the statement victory of the season given where this team is at right now and then with 20 games to go and then two games before the trade deadline i still expect vegas to make a move by the way and i haven't even gotten to that part yet but before i get to that part if vegas beats tampa i don't even know what i would have as my general reaction on this podcast but rest assured rest assured I will probably be on the fence of saying that this team is back and they're making a push at the right time. But Thursday's a long ways away, but the fact that the Golden Knights have three wins now is absolutely insane. So before we go into the other news about the other Pacific Division teams, uh, I did ask for any you know last-minute questions, if you guys wanted me to answer them. I did get one. 
uh, from Gunner at Big Gun Twenty Two on Twitter, asking: Is Vegas still looking at a defenseman with a week left until the trade deadline? Who specifically are they, or should they go after? And what does a potential package deal look like? That is a very good question, and. I'm going to write about this in my column for gaming today, tomorrow. I think this is going to be a very weird deadline because we're not really seeing who the top targets are right now. Like last year, we knew it was Mark Stone. The year before that, we knew it was Eric Carlson. There's not really someone out there that you can look at that has a superstar label and say that is the guy that everyone is going to be going for and trying to determine the price for it. I do think Vegas is still in the market for a defenseman. I do think, though, right now at this moment, that defensive core is playing very well, and it's all because Derek Anglin isn't in the lineup. <laughs> but um, Zach Whitecloud, I, I, I do want to highlight a couple things. Zach Whitecloud, I thought, had one of his best games ever tonight. I thought he was absolutely spectacular. He played well uh, when his pairing with uh, John Merrill was up against uh, the top line with Ovechkin. I thought he had an incredible game. He made a lot of great plays, made a lot of smart plays in, in the Vegas zone. There was a one, there was that one pass in the first period. I think it it was in the, it was in the first period. Yeah. It was in the first period where white cloud gets the puck in the trapezoid and the communication between him and Cody Egan on this play was spectacular. And he, with a stretch pass to Egan springs him on a breakaway. Unfortunately, typical Cody Egan could not score, but you're seeing little inklings as we get as we get further into Zach Whitecloud's tenure on the pro roster. He has been spectacular, absolutely spectacular to this point. Nick Holden, who had a goal tonight, I thought he also played one of his best games with Vegas. He was physical. He was fast. He was first to the puck on multiple occasions. He was you know making plays in the neutral zone. He was getting his stick on a couple of pucks. He had a very good game tonight. And I look at how you fix this decor, quote unquote fix, because it's very difficult to look at it right now and say Zach Whitecloud needs to be in the line of going forward. And it's difficult to say that Nick Holden needs to be with Shea Theodore going forward. I do think in the long run, at least in the next 72 hours, Vegas needs to explore the market for another puck moving defenseman. And it totally depends who is available? I, I look at what the Wild have been doing uh, for the last number of, God, I, for the last 72 hours, you know, only three points out of a playoff spot. They fire Bruce Boudreaux, and Bill Guerin is saying that everybody is on the market. I think Matt Dumba, and he's even said, you know, the likes of Matt Dumba will be on the block uh, if, you know, things continue to go south for the Wild. If there are tires to kick there, I think Matt Dumba, who has been linked to Vegas before via the expansion draft, if not for Eric Halla and Alex Tuck, if Matt Dumba is available, I would I would expect the Golden Knights to kick the tires on that. I would also expect, with the New Jersey Devils apparently going into fire sale mode here, I would expect them to maybe kick the tires on Jason Severson. I think if he's available... Go out and see what you can get for him. You know, it's such a weird, quiet deadline, it feels like, because it doesn't look like there are any players that can say, if that player is on this team, that's going to move the needle. Like Brendan Dillon, for example, knows DeBoer's system very well. Obviously, he would pick up very well on the Golden Knights and he'd be a rental. If that is something that Vegas wants to explore, 
then that might do it. Is Dylan going to move the needle for you as far as what Vegas wants to do in the playoffs this year? I don't know. And I think that's where we are when we're talking about the Golden Knights and it comes to the deadline. You're not you're not seeing many pieces available that say that is that is the piece that we can say put him on this roster he will lead us to the Stanley Cup final and once we get there it's all hands on deck like Stone who knows what would have happened right in Game Seven last year I still believe Vegas probably would beat Colorado and then they would be in a dogfight with St Louis that that is my legitimate thinking of last year they would have made a deep run just because they added Stone right uh year one if they added eric carlson who knows if they would have ended up winning the cup the whole cup who knows if they would have done that right we're never going to know because you know cody glass is the prodigal son apparently and he's going to be the one that's going to be relied on going forward and he's the one that will be looked at over the likes of suzuki and branstrom so that there, there you go but i'm I'm looking at it from that lens because Vegas is a cup contender in the West. They are a team that is considered to be a cup contender by the time this season is over. And they are the team that should be either in the Stanley cup final from the West, or they should be representing the Pacific division side of the bracket in the Western conference final. No matter how you slice it, Vegas is expected to get there and make a deep run. So it is totally on you know, the general manager, Kelly McCrimmon, and the president of hockey operations, George McPhee, to go out and get somebody, somebody that you think can move the needle, whoever that may be, because I think that's what the Golden Knights need. They need a move that is going to move the needle. I don't know if just one, just one solid puck moving defenseman is going to move the needle. And that's where I'm like, that's where I'm kind of confused on on where we are heading into the deadline. So, you know, we got a couple more games to go for the deadline. Maybe Vegas makes a move before then. Maybe they're going to be right at the gun because by the time the deadline ends, they would have a couple of days before they play Edmonton. So there's enough time for that new piece to get acclimated. Whoever it is, though, I'm curious to see if they're going to be the ones moving the needle. Will it happen? I don't know. But... Time will tell as we get closer to the deadline in about a week. Literally a week from today, we're at the deadline. Um, but speaking of the deadline, the Vancouver Canucks are are on their way to making a huge move to at least try and strengthen their positioning in the uh, in the uh, Western Conference playoff race, especially in the Pacific Division, because. A couple of days after Tyler Toffoli records the very first hat trick in the uh, stadium series game. At least he was the one who had the first hat trick, did he? I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> so in the last game as a member of the Los Angeles Kings, Tyler Toffoli, after getting the first hat trick in an outdoor game in NHL history, uh, gets traded to the Canucks for a couple of draft picks and a couple of prospects. And this is another move by the Canucks that says, hey, we're still here in this thing. We're going to go for it. And they've already made the move for JT Miller. Uh, they've already just, they've stacked their lineup so much with Pedersen. He's still God. Um, just the, the Canucks keep making moves. Like they are not going away. 
And adding a guy into Foley, who I I think he's got like 20 goals this year. I, I didn't look it off the top of my head, but Toffoli's got 20 goals this year. He's going to bolster that middle six for Vancouver, which with Brock Besser out for another three weeks or whatever it is with the fractured ribs now, it, they needed someone and they go out and get Toffoli, who's you know obviously coming off the best game of his career. He, adding him to that lineup in a playoff push, I think is going to be a very good move for the Canucks. And it's going to be very interesting to watch how this uh, trade deadline uh, situation unfolds, especially look around the league. The devils are trading everybody. They traded their captain. Uh, and Blake Coleman is on his way to Tampa. Like there, there's a lot going on already and we still got a week to go. And that's where I'm like, can Vegas make that move? that will get them to where they need to go. And to me, I don't know what that move is because I don't know who's available because the, everyone who, who is, isn't available is being played close to the vest. Like if you would have told me like 30 games ago, if Alex Petrangelo was still available, I'd say, get on that shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on now. Um, but I don't think Petrangelo will be available unless the Blues just decide to go, well, screw it, we're losing games and we're not getting anywhere anytime soon. We just lost back-to-back games to the Predators and we're done here. I, I don't think that's happening, but you never know. Weirder things have happened. I mean, Mark Stone was almost a Bruin last year and then he ended up being a Golden Knight and then just everything happened. So everything will be weird leading up to the deadline uh, on Monday, but Right now, there's just so much going on right now that you have to put the deadline on the back burner because the Golden Knights have won three in a row against three playoff teams, none of them from the Pacific Division. Two of those were in the Eastern Conference. And now you have to somehow put Monday's win, which was a very impressive win, in the back burner, or on the back burner, I should say, and then welcome the Tampa Bay Lightning to town on Monday. Pete DeBoer said he was going to go home tonight, have a beer, and get ready for Tampa. If the Golden Knights win on Thursday. I don't know what beer Pete DeBoer is drinking right now, but it's going to be, uh, he's about to get a whole bunch more of it if the Golden Knights can beat Tampa on Thursday. So big game coming up. We got a couple more days before we dissect that game. Uh, as for tomorrow, I have no idea. I was thinking on calling it an off day from going to skate or if we're going to practice. So won't really have any update on that. I guess we'll figure out what we talk about when we talk about it. So until then, that will do it for me tonight, everybody. Again, late episode. Appreciate if you uh, all stayed up waiting for it. And uh, we will be, I will be back. And we'll be back because if you're here too, then it's we. I, I like to think of it that way. Um, but I will be back tomorrow, figuring out what we're t- going to talk about. And that will be that. So have a good night, everybody. The Golden Knights are winners again. It is really weird. But if they, if this is the trajectory they're on, they might be back. And this might be them being back at the perfect time. But until then, everybody, have a good night. Thank you for sharing, for downloading, subscribing, listening, all that jazz. If you are on Apple Podcasts, by the way, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating or a review, uh, helps people find the podcast, lets me know how I'm doing as a podcaster as well, and uh, all of that good jazz. So I will talk to you all tomorrow. Until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I will see you tomorrow.
Have a good one. Thank you.